Yeah, it's Buku One here. And one thing I know, every good podcast deserves its own theme song. Oh, for sure. And this one most definitely deserves its own theme song. We changing the game on the name, put respect. Uncle Dad talks, yeah, live and direct. What did you expect from the two fly guys? One love Kevin Smith, one of more's golden eye. Mike's the level-headed. Uncle Dad gets nervous all the time, but to his credit, he's clever. Spring stuff on Mike on a daily. And can mangle up a name amazingly. The range of events and topics makes it hard to stop listening. So why even attempt it? From bare knuckle fighting to Grammy songwriting to Burning Man flames to firefighter video games and many, many more than I could put in a verse. Just subscribe, tune in to Uncle Dad's multiverse and many, many more than I could put in one verse. Just subscribe, tune in to Uncle Dad's multiverse. Yes, you heard it first here. Show did. Tion Buku One, aka Mr. Generous, live and direct. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks, and this time, officially, Mike Hampton is back with Uncle Dad. Give it up for Mike Hampton being back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome <me>. back. <laughs> oh. uh, I might play the Welcome Back theme song from Welcome Back, Connor. You should. You should play that. I'm going right to play now. that right now. Do it right here. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd lead you? Cause we got him on the spot Welcome back Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back Wow <laughs> What's up, man? Hi. Yeah, thanks for uh, holding it down while I've been busy Don't worry about it, Mike I always got your back It's been great uh, The interviews have been great Uh Uncle Dad Listens is a very interesting... You know, it's funny. I had one person tell me, so what? Uncle Dad Listens is the same thing as the regular show, just just you? I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's That's just a differentiate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. You know, um, it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting way to do something kind of the same, but different. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. like that? I do like that. I do like that's that. That's a very profound statement. Let's put that... Uh, yeah. uh, oh, let's yes. write that down. And speaking of profound statements, this uh, this, uh, this interview you guys are about to listen to is full of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, seriously, it's, it's it's a good one, uh, Mike. Now that you're back in the saddle, we got we did we did a great interview right now that they're going to listen to with uh, Wade Rosen of Atari, uh, the CEO of Atari. Uh, yeah, well, I guess you and I can recap it in a second. But Mike, uh, are you excited for this interview? Yeah, you know it's not it's not every day we have the CEO of a company on, let alone the CEO of a company like Atari, something that I think everyone, I don't know about the world, but in most places, uh, know of Atari, right? Absolutely. I would say if you don't know what Atari is, I don't know, man, you really, you've been living under a rock. You might've been living out in the desert. That's sure. A, that, what, that's a, that's a, that's a callback to something you'll hear later in the in the desert with the aliens so it's a it's a it's a call forward since it hasn't happened yet oh meta yeah lots of meta lots of meta talk yeah not just a company yeah no absolutely (laughs) but yeah it's a very fun interview uh so please everybody enjoy it uh but before we get to that as always we got to talk about our sponsors so really quickly uh mike let's talk about roosevelt's roosevelt's is our sponsor uh they make some of the greatest shirts around mike just tell them really fast about your super cool roosevelt shirt that you wore in front of a super cool building yeah i guess i haven't been on the show since i did that move but uh for those that follow me or don't follow me on Instagram, my uh, and I think it's also on the Uncle Dad Talks Instagram as well, right? There's a photo of me uh, wearing the Roosevelt's Back to the Future Part 3 
Western shirt that uh, Marty McFly wore when he went back in time to the uh, to the 1800s, 1888, right? Yes. Okay. I think so. 1885. I don't know. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's it's like kind of it's a it's a version of that funky shirt that he wore uh, to the West. And I'm standing in front of the house where they filmed the exterior shots of Doc Brown's house in the in back. Wow. The yeah. Also, wow. there was the hey, uh, I forget the real name of it. Uh, <laughs> damn it, Doc Brown House. That's all he needs to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the shirt he was wearing was called the Eastwood. Uh, it was a limited production uh, shirt, but they brought it back. There are still some sizes available, but here's the best part, Mike. They can get 20% off their first purchase by using promo code Uncle Dad. Now, it has to be your first purchase. And so just keep that in mind, guys, your first purchase. You can't use it over and over and over. Yes, no. But, Shame on you but, for trying. But there is ways around it. I'm not going to say how, but just think about it. Uh, you know, next so, time if you uh, email me, can you email me my other to my other email address? I will. I will. Okay, and thanks. that is a great hint. Yes. <laughs> just a hint. That's just a hint. Just a hint. Yeah. Uh, okay, everybody. Uh, now here is our interview with Wade Rosen of Atari, the CEO. Uh, enjoy. And we'll be right back after this. Uh, we're very excited to have a special guest with us right now. Um, you and I have been trying to get this this great white shark, if you will, for a long time. Would you right. agree with that? <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. I'm still we're still learning how to fish, though. So <laughs> we are, we are, we are. This uh, it's been a, a definitely a long process, but I'm so excited to finally have this person here. I think we had probably mentioned this person. It had to be like in the first 20 episodes, and then maybe. 50 or 60 after and then you know we, yeah. we have tried so many times and we've gotten to talk to other people within the atari organization which has been fantastic uh so you know without further ado everybody please welcome to the uncle dad quote unquote studio uh wade rose wade rosen not to be confused with wade wilson uh how are you that Thank you guys so much. Wade Wilson was, I don't want to say it was named after him, but it was definitely the inspiration for my name, weirdly enough. So what? Yeah, nice, nice uh, inadvertent uh, uh, segue there. Yeah, I, guess, I don't think I've ever dropped that on any podcast or recording ever. So first time. All right. So this, right is a, this is a world breaking news, like yeah. a reveal. Yeah. Cool parents then. Vikings quarterback, Wade Wilson was where my name came from. <laughs> circa 1984 yeah okay okay i i knew you meant that guy but i think uncle uncle dad thought you meant wade wilson from uh, deadpool Deadpool. oh yeah 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 Yeah. so of course of course that's uh that's probably much more i'm I'm sure most people listening assumed it was deadpool yeah yeah Mike, I like how you knew I was going down the quarterback route with that. Yeah. I, I'm a football but, guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Another point. Since I we're on the just topic. I start saying it is Deadpool, though. That'd be much cooler and a much more interesting story and would definitely like help garner my my reputation in the industry a lot more, probably. So. Probably. I mean, <laughs> since we're on the topic, when uh, we were setting this up and Uncle Dad sent me the information that we were going to interview you, he put Wade Wilson and I <laughs> and I put Atari CEO Wade Wilson in my search and I kept coming up with Deadpool. And I, anyways, uh, it's it's just, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. So, you know, it's out. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds needs to watch out, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was more of uh okay uh yeah what a great what a great way to start the show because that's so funny <laughs> that, that, that i came into that uh yeah so wade uh just you know to kind of get the uh the formal introduction out of the way can you just tell us to our audience exactly who you are and what you do yeah i'm wade rosen and i'm the ceo of atari yeah hell yeah brother what do you mean i know yeah. i know one of the cool coolest job. jobs in the world. So, oh, for sure. And so, you took over, and please correct me if I'm wrong on this information. You took over in 2021. Is that correct? Yeah, April 2021. Okay. Yep. And when you had taken, when you took it over, I mean, there had to be this daunting feeling of like, you know, this is Atari is like one of the last real true 
legacy game studios, right? Like, yeah. what was that feeling like of just stepping into the shoes of also somebody also so great, you know, Nolan Bushnell? Uh, so, you know, what was that all like? You know, I I thought I had an understanding of what it'd be like, and then I stepped in and I was I quickly realized I had not anticipated what it would actually be like. So, so the love and passion that people have, so it, it's it's both an amazing opportunity and blessing and um, platform. It also comes with tremendous amounts of expectations, and uh, uh, you know, it, it's. I would say the, the curse behind it is that there's like very clear images of what things are supposed to be, and so there's also like a lot of and a very a very passionate community of fans who want to support you but also want to see it in a very specific way. So, um, you know, we, we try hard to, to walk that line between being both, uh, being both true to the roots and doing really innovative, cool, interesting new things that hopefully don't, don't rock the base too much. Yeah. And I think you, you know, one of the things I find interesting about Atari's kind of approach now is I really like that there's a big focus on bridging the gap between the retro gamer and the modern gamer, right? Yeah. And uh, you do a great job where it doesn't over like it doesn't overstep one or the other. Like it's just a nice cohesive mix. You know, one of the big things I think for that too is the Atari VCS, right? Yeah. Like it's such a great blending of both worlds. Is that something that you're just intentionally doing, or is it more just kind of going with the flow? You know, yeah, we try and call it uh, innovative retro, and um, you know, the VCS. I don't know that it was necessarily intended to be like that, but once it was on the market and it was it had already been on the market before i stepped in and and you know was well into gestation long before i ever got there but we really had to look at it and say like what could this be what is interesting and unique about it and that's what jumped out that was something that really wasn't covered or handled before and uh i'm not sure if uh if you saw we actually made an announcement last week about a partnership with another really innovative retro company called polymega mm -hmm. and yeah, and so now the VCS, the intent is that it will have the Polymega app in in as one of the applications inside the VCS and be compatible with that hardware. So hopefully turning the VCSs into Polymegas into in addition to everything else that they already do. Wow, that's 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 so. It's, I think it's just such a great like way to treat that console and also treat the Atari Legacy, right? Like, because yeah. you also do that and kind of go more into Atari. You do the Atari XP thing as well, right? Yeah, and that's to me is one of the most lovingly handled things out there, right? Because it's the appreciation of Atari in the original format. Now, I'm just curious, Mike. We talked about that in the past. What is your loving memories of the original Atari cartridge? <laughs> uh, well. My my memories of the Atari cartridge were when I was, oh, I don't know, 12, somewhere around there, I asked for a Nintendo for Christmas, and I got an Atari for Christmas. <laughs> and But it came with probably every game you could imagine. And, uh, you know, of course, at first I was I wanted Super Mario Brothers, but then once I started unpacking all the the Atari stuff, you know, and the Atari was used, and it had the UF, VF, the switch with the, switch, the, yeah. the screw, you had the screw in the prong, in the back to the TV, and like the wire was funky, and it had to be set in such a certain way so that the, it would actually come up on the TV. <laughs> but once you got all that to work, like yeah, I had. You had I had I don't know a hundred something games, <laughs> and um, and so you know expecting something and then getting something and feeling disappointed, but then I'll, then actually seeing all the fun I had with it with all the different games, um, and also like that's like the godfather of all the, the home consoles, right? And so, anyways, I I, I definitely <laughs> had my share of of, of cartridges. Were there any that stand out to you? Like yeah, oh sure, adventure, yeah. uh, pitfall, and uh, hide and seek was a fun yeah. one. That one was such a, a a rant. Like they wouldn't. I can't see them making a game anything remotely like that now. Um, well, actually, they kind of do. I would say, uh, what is it? What is it called? It's a don't. Uh, the stranger. No, it's like a thing. It's a game like that, right? I mean, that's. Um, 
Oh my gosh. I am so sorry if I can't remember the name, but it's literally exactly what you're saying. But somebody is a murderer and somebody is uh, trying to break into the house. <laughs> am, I, am I tripping right now? <laughs> well, hide and seek wasn't a murderer. It was, you're, you're like a weird, you're a person. <laughs> you just hide. You just hide. <laughs> there was no murder. Well, <laughs> you gotta you modernize it. Yeah. <laughs> now we need murder. Concept. You're you're hunting people. You're you know one for play and <laughs> one for penalty. <laughs> um, but the experience that Mike is referring to, I love that Atari XP brings that out again, and I think that is something that very few companies, not even like the big ones like Nintendo, really really do anymore. And I think that's something that is truly just remarkable now was that something that was your conception or was that just something that has been thought out throughout time uh you know i i mean there's a lot of passionate people working on that um in the team MapperNet does a tremendous amount around that mega cat has helped us a lot in the construction of this there's just a really wide team that that has been involved but um you know it was something that i personally felt pat well i guess where my passion came from is I've viewed these, and I still do view legacy consoles as living ecosystems. I mean, you can see this, the amazing work that's still being done for Game Boy Advance. And you'll see these titles come out and you're like, man, this is gorgeous. Pixel art and it just looks beautiful. And so I think, I think our desire was to treat not just the, I mean, yes, it's starting with the 2600, but to really look at all of these legacy consoles as living ecosystems and what can you do to help facilitate that and and legitimize that and so it's not and you know what stopped it in the past was the you know the limitations of scale and the analog nature of things but now with um now with smaller runs and uh with digital uh, with you know games being digital you can continue these these ecosystems these ecosystems can live on and then the second reason it was, i really cared was i actually think people like designing with limitations sometimes like the pico 8 showed me that and uh you know the original celeste is designed in that and it was just by putting all these restrictions in it really forces you to cut out a lot of bloat to cut out a lot of like all the artifice goes and you're just focused on pure gameplay and this really compelling game loop and so that was the other reason we wanted to go back to these older consoles and i think there's a desire for some of these older games is because it's a return to simplicity uh at a time when you know, we mostly have very complex things and and way too much information and too much to do. And, uh, you know, I personally just didn't want another game with a checklist of to-do items as well. So that's <laughs> <laughs> why I find myself going back to retro sometimes. It's just I can pick it up, turn it on, and, you know, mm -hmm. I'm playing Knights or whatever. And I don't have to, like, I don't have to wonder, like, all like all the things that I could miss or to-dos or, like, all the things that were left to to work on. Yeah, there's enough of that on the on the whiteboard behind you there in the office. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Sometimes I blurred it out before we started, just in case. Sometimes you just want to be a frog trying to get across the street, mm -hmm. and that's it. It can be real simple. Real oh simple. man, Berserk, Berserk always like is one that I have fired up. Pretty frequently canyon bomber those are two that like yeah canyon bomber hell yeah um you know i it's something i've been very curious about and i hope you don't mind me asking you this because i've always wondered this you know there is a interesting legacy of atari and one of those interesting legacies is the series of uh i don't know how to say it but <laughs> the atari adult video games <laughs> are you, are you, are you are the unlicensed ones you mean the unlicensed yeah, yes yes okay so those are 100 unlicensed correct because i was told that that was they were made with permission of atari but i didn't believe that was true no i don't believe so no i mean i, I should be wrong the reason i asked that is there were some games uh for the jaguar so i think when atari was trying to find a corner in the market the jaguar had a lot of like really interesting uh content that they were that they were working <laughs> on and um uh yeah one of those games yeah there's just like a tremendous amount of strange <laughs> fmv games that they were doing so there's that side okay that was a little bit more uh true atari but no i'm pretty sure the rest was very much uh not licensed <laughs> I, I, you know and I, and I only ask because those are such anomalies in gaming history right like you yeah. know you think about 
the Atari 2600 and you think about these games and Mike, if you don't know what I'm referring to. Well, uh, I do. I know, but just so the audience knows, maybe you yes. can explain, but I know. Uh, uh, these unlicensed <laughs> games were, um, they're a very unique part of gaming history because they were like, they were basically like arcade, like arcade type games, but with a, I guess to lack of a better term, like a sexual idea. Like one of them is, you know, to be, to be appropriate, <laughs> one of them is about, you know, like kind of like uh, what is it? Uh, like the bob, like bomber, uh, not bomber, uh, breaker or whatever it is. Uh, with the slide, uh, oh my god, it's like basically arcade classics made adult. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> and uh, I I find that interesting because in my world, uh, my travels of gaming and stuff, those come up, and people talk about them so passionately. So I'm just, but in a way, because it's so unique. So I'm just kind of curious, what was your take on that? And will we see any HD remixes? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably no. I can't imagine there's going to be any HD remixes of, uh, of any of those. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe if they were based on a on a different game that was really great that could that could make their way forward i also like i can't imagine there's probably like two people in the world who'd be excited by that right like, oh, like that's what i'm waiting for a recharged version of uh i don't know just take your pick it just some of the just names are very right that's the one i keep thinking of but i don't i don't even think that's atari but i see it pop up every once in a while which wasn't even that bad, but yeah. Well, the, I'll say this one: the one that always gets my attention because it's brought to my attention four times at game at gaming conventions is uh, "Beat 'Em and Eat 'Em." <laughs> wow! Wow! No, I actually hadn't even. <laughs> we're, we're learning. We're learning together, everybody. We're yeah, learning together. Wow, okay. <laughs> I just stuck with Cuber. I don't even we know. We did what... not license this. It appears we did not license this. Thank God. Okay. Thank God. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just clear that now. <laughs> for all the five people that have asked me about it, yes, now we know for sure. <laughs> oh um, man! Wow. Uh, but uh, wait, I hope you don't mind me kind of going down that because I just feel no, like we talked about that. Learning new things today too. Learning... Uh, so when we talk about no, you know there uh, will be no recharge of. Uh, uh, okay, no, no recharge of beat him and eat him. Gotcha. No, no. <laughs> uh, okay, I can so officially talk... say that here, there and now. I disappoint the fans. <laughs> That's funny. Um, let me ask you this, uh, Wade. When we talk about uh, gaming, and you know, I think gaming always comes from passion, right? It comes from yeah. our, our love of gaming. I, you know, I'm so I have been a gamer since I was 16. I'm 34 now. Um, no, actually, no. I've been a gamer since I was five. I'm sorry. The first console I had was an NES, and it was incredible. I'm just curious. What What is your original gaming passion? Where does that start from? Yeah. Um, well, you know, my, my parents initially didn't want me to have a gaming console because they thought I would spend all of my time playing it. And just to anyone listening, this is what happens when you when you do that. Now your, your, your son is in games full time. So, you know, be careful. Be careful what you... Uh, Try and keep them away from because they're just going to run to it even even faster. Uh, no, but then I, I talked them into a Game Boy when I was five as well. Um, nice. Yeah, I saved up all my money for an entire year and bought a Game Boy ostensibly to use on road trips. And that went out the window. I mean, that was like whatever that rule was, was broken immediately and never entered back in. So, so my Game Boy was my first and only console for a very, very long time. Oh, I mean, wow. I was playing, you know, all my friends had Nintendos and Super Nintendos and, and Ataris as well. And I'd play anything I could get my hands on, computer games, Apple II, you know, I mean, you name it. I, I was, I loved it. Uh, but the Game Boy, yeah. And I still have my first duct tape. I dropped it a bunch of, you know, there's screens, all like lines all over the screen when you turn it on. And, and Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the catalog of the Game Boy, if you think about it, it's just, it's incredible. Like, it's absolutely amazing. What they were able to do on that little machine. So, yeah, that's that's probably my my first love for video games. Wow, you know, I don't I don't think enough people talk about the Game Boy. I feel the original Game Boy, and they always go to NES, like a Super Nintendo, whatever. But the Game Boy really was a marvel in what it did, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm assuming you must have had Tetris on it, I'm sure. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there was just nothing like that. You know, there was nothing like that. That that type of experience that you could take on the go and 
I think it's incredible that you say that. So I'm curious then, like, are you, what is your preferred genre to play then on the Game Boy? Is it more well, of the arcade stuff? You know, I, I played everything. Um, but I actually have just realized something about myself. I've always kind of had a, a soft spot for portable consoles. You know, I, if I were to look at my favorite consoles, um, definitely the Sega Saturn, Dreamcast are high on that list. But, but like the PSP might be my all-time favorite. I had, a, I loved the Vita. I thought the Switch was, I, I thought it was and is, you know, a marvel of innovation. It's, you know, it's pretty long in its life cycle at this point in time. But I mean, when that came out, just like the beauty of that thing was incredible. And so I do always find myself coming back to portable gaming consoles, even to this day. I don't. I, that's just like a. It's probably related to the you know starting on the Game Boy, but I would play everything like um, you know I, I loved Super Mario Brothers two, Six Golden nice. Coins, uh, Final Fantasy Legend two was mm -hmm. really so I played a lot of RPGs on there. Um, I just felt like the your like as a kid your bang for the bang for your buck was so mm -hmm. high with an RPG. You're like oh play this thing for hours like you know, just like I like now the idea of playing a game for. 70 hours is like very intimidating with what little time back then it'd be like i would say that people now have made games that i asked for when i was 10 years old i'm like i want to play this thing i want a game that'll last for 200 hours and i'm like who's designing these like who's this? <laughs> designed it for me because i asked like, <laughs> um but no really anything i had a bunch of uh racing games that i enjoyed uh I feel like I had every single possible I'm trying to think there's I enjoyed puzzle games, Mario Picross and Yoshi. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, yeah. The Yoshi, which uh, Dr. Mario. Um, so I enjoyed a lot of puzzle games. Um, God, what else? What else? Uh, RPGs, adventure, you know, uh, uh, Link's Awakening. I probably played mm -hmm. through that like five or six times and loved that thing to death. It, I love it that when you're a gamer, you just drop names and everything. You just go, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. That's all you I mean, got to do. These classics, right? Like, well, then, then that's what I mean. Like, think about like they took they took uh, Link to the Past and put it on Game Boy, and like maintained the game. Like that's incredible. Mm -hmm. They took one of the greatest 16-bit games of all time and moved it to 8-bit and like retained the beauty and and even the the art style somehow. Yeah. Like that's what I. That's the stuff about. Uh, or like Super Mario Land 2 or Wario Land, um, mm -hmm. like looked like Super Mario World. And like they were just so good at like maintaining this this art style between those, even though it was a radically inferior, uh, you know, monochromatic 8-bit console handheld. Like, and, and they were somehow able to right. sort of capture a lot of that stuff they were doing, even because I, I mean, the Game Boy Color lasted until like what 99 or something like that. Yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know, so I mean. By then, we were well past that. But even in the 16-bit era, they were doing a good job of downsizing it and, and making it appropriate. So, yeah. You know, one of my uh, my favorite games on the Game Boy I, uh, was Battletoads. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the art, the, the two things, and, and we can get into both, maybe both of these. The cover the cover art and, and a lot of the old Atari games too, like the, the cover wow, of the, the cover art is its own thing. We could probably have a whole conversation about that. And I know there's the, the, the Atari cover art book, right? There's mm -hmm. a, a book of all that, but also the music, like the, the soundtracks to the game and Battletoads specifically that intro. I have a, I bought a record of it uh, <laughs> where um, a buddy of mine, Alex Pardee did the album cover artwork for it, but it's just the, the eight bit, soundtrack on a record and that that, that battle toad song to me was one of the bit the greatest i don't know if you if you know i, I haven't played battle toads on game boy i played a lot of it on NES, i believe mm -hmm. and actually my preference though the arcade battle toads i think yeah is so good and if i see it in the arcades i think it's a kind of a lost classic because the NES one is just like painfully difficult but uh uh, I love it on the arcades, and I if it's around on Game Boy, if I see it around somewhere, I'm gonna buy it now. I'm gonna pick it up and check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then and then so and so going back to the the album on oh, album, the cover artwork for the games. Like, what's what's your take on like I you know a lot of these Atari games when I was young, I'd look at the cover like of Indiana Jones or like Star Wars, you know, and it's yeah. like, wow, I'm gonna be in that. And then you know, you plug it in and it obviously doesn't look like that. Yeah. But <laughs> breakout but, Star Raiders. I mean, Star Raiders yeah. actually is probably one that gets you know, like 
maybe gets a little bit closer, but like Breakout, Missile Command, like all of those, right? Like I, you know, we still try even with the XP releases to do, to have like really vibrant color covers that are very different than than normal covers today and to go back towards more of that class Atari style. I think, you know, I think the, the covers had to do a lot of the work of the storytelling. And the one I always come back to is Breakout. Like, I think that's such a great example of like, you're this astronaut and you've got to get out and you see this cover, it's just this like beautiful rendition and there's color, you know, the the like bars are reflecting off the helmet. You play it and you're like, what? What is this? Like, <laughs> is this even art? Right? Like, what am I playing in here? You know, and so, but it is, I like, I would be lying if I said I don't have those stories in my head sometimes when I'm like playing the game. So I think there was like an effectiveness to it. And I wish, I don't know why those art styles and those cover designs don't come back into fashion. Like, I would love to see, I would love to see those things come back into fashion and, and become a little bit more prevalent. I think they're just, beautiful and i can't imagine like going by games on a shelf and there's just one that like like looks like combat or something you know or like or yeah missile command or asteroids or something and just immediately like stop and be like whoa what is that so i think it'd be effective too and we try to do that a little bit with our with our titles when we have when we have uh mass physical distribution yeah it's a lot of fun it's like like the old movie posters from the you know from the 80s yeah the late 70s like Drew struzy painted you know all the star wars stuff i mean he did a ton of posters but it it just has a such a different look and feel than you know totally. just computer graphic artwork which is fine um but yeah it's definitely has that retro yeah almost like majestic feel to it i know i mean we want what we don't have right like when everything's cgi then you kind of wants this hand-painted, like, uh, really hyper-detailed feel. And, and that, you guys actually just did that recently with Pixel Ripped, right? The 1970. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great example of, like, a cover yeah. art that we really try to go back to, like, hey, what would this have looked like in 78? Yeah, yeah. So Pixel Ripped, which is an awesome game. If anybody uh, has a quest and hasn't played it, really fun, beautiful love letter to Atari and uh, part of a, Really great series holistically. That's pretty yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, we uh, we so we had them on the show last uh, two months ago. Uh, oh yeah, nice. and so, yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was great just to getting to play it and experiencing that. And now I know officially that's actually one of the things I wanted to bring up. The game officially has launched like as of a week ago, right? Or two weeks ago? I think two weeks ago. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and it's is now just it's all on the same page too. Is it VR only, or can you play without the VR as well? It's VR only. Uh, okay. But, uh, meta obviously psvr2 uh steam so and it'll continue as more vr consoles come available um we'll continue to to expand and port those over i mean one of the things about vr that's nice is they usually games have a really long life to them because there's only so much content out there and you know people are the the market's constantly growing and when a new person buys a headset they're exploring new content so uh it's that's one of our reasons for being involved in vr and trying to be on the front end of it is as the and, and i do think it'll continue to grow i mean yes headsets will get smaller they'll become more comfortable you know they hopefully it gets to a point where it's like very there's very little inconvenience at all or it just kind of merges into normal gaming but everybody who as that market continues to grow and everybody who comes on board that's a new user who wasn't there at all versus say and you know we put a lot of time and energy into pc and console that's a pretty well saturated market. It grows a little bit every year, but it's yeah. you know, a much much different growth rate in terms of new players. Right. And oh, go ahead, Mike. Actually, yeah, we we got to play the GDC, and and it's so fun to it's so meta. Speaking of meta, right? It's the, <laughs> there's games within the game. Yeah. And, and if there was an old Atari game that's not part of that, like that you could recreate in VR, is there one that comes to mind that you would? That you would do you mean like if i were to take an old atari game and do it in vr mm-hmm. being that you could do, make that happen being you're the ceo of atari right? <laughs> yeah yeah i know if only i had the power to do that. <laughs> um, i mean there, there's some low-hanging ones that we're always looking at we're like oh, this would be kind of cool but i mean it feels like there should be something with centipede and asteroids that you know and, mm-hmm. and not even overly complex just like taking the core 
concepts and and applying that to VR. Um, so we've we've kind of looked at that a little bit. Uh, I love Berserk. I still have to wonder if there isn't like some way and talk about like gorgeous art style. Like I would love to see the art style of the Berserk boxes in a Berserk game at some point. Um, uh, you know, I need to think about that one because um, mm. like there's some obvious things we would do. But if I were to really want, if we were to really focus on VR, I'd, I'd ask myself like, how could we push it forward? And that's what I liked about Pixel Rift was the meta aspects of it, of working in the Atari offices, making Atari games, going into the games and playing new games inside of the game, um, kind of an entirely, you know, parallel uh, narrative that that like feels like it could be real, even if it's you know not real, and and having people like Howard Scott Warshaw could you know participate in that, and I mean he's just a great sport all around, and um, so I, I yeah my desire would be to like do something fun and innovative that hopefully pushes the space forward. I also think, you know, with VR, anything, it, it is becoming more collaborative too. So it'd be kind of fun to do, to like try and have a collaborative experience as well. I, think, so, uh, I know that's that's probably not the <laughs> most specific answer, but. Yeah, well, I just popped. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's great. And, <laughs> Do you enjoy VR? I mean, that's such a, I mean, like. I do. Yeah, I do. I, you know, but I, I game on everything, right? Like I play my PS5 and my Switch and my uh, PCS, my Polymega. Um, I play my meta quite a bit. Uh, and it really kind of just, I when I'm going to play a game, I'm like, what do I want today? You know, do I want to like be really, I do a lot of VR when I feel like I want to game, but also want to move around <laughs> through, you know, and kind of be active like that's oftentimes when i find myself playing it um you know we are we do have another vr title coming out which is we're the ps5 version of aka r will also be um psvr2 compatible or i guess just psvr compatible uh and you know LamaSoft, they do a really good job of of making games that are you can play in vr not play in vr so that's a little bit of one of those hybrid games and i think we probably look at more titles like that, where it's like, hey, how can you find a game that could, because the only problem with VR is it's a relatively limited market. And so, yeah. you know, unless you have Beat Saber or something like that, it's, you, you know, you're just appealing to a pretty small audience. So having a game that can go, that can touch this effect probably being the best example I can think of where mm -hmm. you don't need to play in VR. If you do, it's a really, that is a game that when I play it, I always play it in VR. Um, but I know a lot of people just play Tetris Effect without without the like goggles and it's still awesome and so i think i think more more opportunities like that makes sense you know it's funny you bring up tetris effect because i was going to bring that up myself right now because oh, i yeah? feel like because i feel like tetris effects was one of those experiences that elevated the idea of the traditional sense of, the, of that game totally. but it made it such a unique experience and i and i also brought it up because i kind of would want to see that with tempest in a vr format with that kind of same progression where the harder it gets the the music changes and whatnot right like that would yeah. be something interesting i think I, I don't know how you feel but yeah, i think that'd be awesome i think i would love to see more games in general with that yeah. i think it's just a great a great uh methodology for game creation and design the challenge with tempest is LamaSoft has been the um the stewards of that for so long oh yeah i would want to you know, and, and I think they could do a game like that. Um, but I also, you know, I, I know the guys pretty well. I think they're a little burnt out on Tempest. <laughs> so, done so many. Um, yeah. But we're, you know, we're going to continue working with them and doing a lot of great titles. I would love to see a new Tempest. I also think there's a bunch of other really cool games. Like, I've always thought Asteroids in, in, in an Asteroids Effect type scenario. Because, yeah, that'd be cool. You know, because, like, Geometry Wars is amazing. And so, like, mm -hmm. you know, that that's the spiritual successor to Asteroids. And it's like, well, how do you take that further? And I think you take it further by having it be rhythmic with music and visuals and things like that. And so it's not a static feel, but like a changing rhythmic feel. That's, that's just an idea, though. But, like, Asteroids, for whatever reason, has always felt like one that could really benefit from tempo and pace and, and visual changes and things like that. 
I just got to say, I love that idea. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, because yeah, I love Geometry Wars, too. And uh, you. you you talking about that, like that, that actually does kind of make sense. And that's why you're the Atari CEO, and I'm yeah. over here recording yeah. a podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll, <laughs> the jury's still out on me. The jury's still out. So we'll see where, where the... <laughs> When, when does the Atari, uh, the CEO of Atari actually have time to play games, like leisurely play games? I'd imagine you, you're, you're a busy man. It's a very good question. And, you know, it is, I'm not going to lie and say that it's like, oh, it's easy. You find the time. But like, I kind of treat it like, like work, like this to be, you know, relevant in the industry. I have to play old games and new games and, and all sorts of, you know, VR games and, Really, everything that touches AR games, and I just I just set aside time, and then uh, I also like really try hard. I know it sounds kind of funny, but I try hard at the end of the night to play games a little bit, most nights, even if nice. it's like you know, and and like that's a very trivial small thing, but it it does, you know, if you're like working through bloodstained or something like you're like all right i'm just gonna beat the next boss tonight like you just kind of mm -hmm. so you're sort of just making progress on a number of games and and uh i always am like making notes i'm like oh i like this like this is you know so i'm using bloodstain because it's one that i didn't play when it came out and i've been meaning to and i just picked it up and played it over the fourth and i was like oh this is what's nice about it versus symphony of the night and this is what i think is yeah. missing and this is where it's so you know you can kind of learn and i think it's a good game to like see evolution and and also um things that would be done differently uh but yeah like literally making the time and and then also i try to avoid games that are time sucks and if i don't enjoy a game i just stop that's my other rule like i used to power through and now i'm like nope nope no time for that like, like i tried it for two hours like i'm good i'm i'm gonna put that away now yeah, there's lots of other options out there. And uh, mm -hmm. I, let me ask you this, though. Being named after an NFL player, yeah. uh, what is, what's your take inspired on? Inspired by. Inspired by. Uh, inspired yes, yeah. by. Uh, excuse me. Yes, of course. Uh, what is your take on sports games? Like, uh, you know, that's a whole huge genre in gaming. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. Add in all these things. Probably a genre that I am not as. Minus, <laughs> like, say, you know, I played Tecmo Bowl yeah. back in the day, and and uh, yeah. you know, that was amazing. Um, you know, and there's games that I, you know, there's obviously games I played a lot of growing up. I just don't play a lot of sports games anymore. Um, sometimes I'll play like a sports management sim, which is very tangential oh. to sports sims, but you know, I can kind of, I can still kind of enjoy that. Uh, it's not because there's anything wrong with the sports games. I just, um, uh, much like, like I'll play FPS games, but rarely will I play competitive SPF FPS games just because the amount of time you have to put in mm -hmm. to be competitive is so high. And so it's really, I play games where I can play them in small bursts. And, you know, if I'm gone for three weeks, I'm not going to come back and be like, oh no, my, my ranking went down and I have to like climb my way back up. So, I think that's just what keeps me from modern sports games and uh, and um, a lot of the free-to-play FPS games. But I still, you know, a game like System Shock, which is like a really rich narrative, cool game. Yeah. There's a reason why I love that stuff, and there's a reason why Night Dive's a part of Atari now. Which, what a great segue, because that's what I was going to bring up next, was, was the Night Dive acquisition. Can we talk about that more for those oh, who yeah. don't know? I think uh, it's so exciting about to see that, because it's they've been doing some very interesting stuff, too, with classics. And so definitely. I'm just yeah, I'm just definitely excited to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when I came on board, I wrote down a list of, of companies that I thought were doing the most innovative things in retro gaming, or just, you know, kind of merging the the past and the future right so sort of this which is what i always envisioned tari as is this merger of past and future um like the fuji looks like classical and like it's totally normal in blade runner you know so I'm like all right what companies are doing really cool things and you know digital eclipse was an example of one of those companies mm -hmm. that's you know so i i knew we wanted to partner with them and and we love working with them and we'd love to work with them again um and night dive was another one and so we had worked with them on blood which was an awesome game, and they've done a really wonderful job with that. And 
and I just got to know them better and spend more time with them. And as we got to know them better, we realized there's a lot of overlap in cultures and what they wanted to what they wanted to do, what they wanted to pursue. Um, just their desire too. It wasn't enough. They weren't just re-releasing games. They were really like taking them and updating them, but doing it with care and in a way that you know you play it and you're. And it, I always thought their their motto was the best, which was like, it's not it's not the way it was. It's the way you remember it, and that's beautiful. Like to walk that line and to make a game to like modify and change a game, but to make it the way you remember it is and they. And, Turok is a great example. Turok one, Turok two, they're beautiful, and but they're better than they were. But you don't—they didn't do anything or change anything that actually takes away from the gameplay. They just like made it a little smoother and brought it up to a standard that's more approachable. And as a result, I think what they do better than anyone is they it transcends uh, transcends generations. So mm -hmm. you can give somebody who's fifteen, you can give somebody who's fifty-five Turok, and it's fun still. And I think if you played the, the N64 version, it wouldn't be. And like, I don't know a single game company that's doing stuff like that. So that's where, you know, we really wanted to work with Night Dive. And, and that, that's not even going into System Shock and the great work they did on that. But that was the cool part. And so just fit into our ethos and what we wanted to do in gaming. That's incredible. I think mean, with System Shock, I mean, that's such a legacy title, right? That's such a, yeah. I think, I think most gamers who are, who would quote unquote, consider themselves hardcore know. Yeah the system shock franchise is a very it's a very mm -hmm. it's, it's just such a unique franchise like can you tell our audience more about that yeah so um you know the the second game system shock 2 is considered one of the greatest games of all time mm -hmm. uh that was my entry point into the, the series i have a really a big soft spot for system shock 2. uh it was actually how i first got to know night dive before i came to atari um you know i had because i was like Wonder what happened to all these old games I love, and then I kept looking up these games, and I'm like, wait, Wizardry Eight, System Shock Two, like, why is who's this Night Dive company, and how do they like, why, how are they publishing all these great old games? And so I reached out to them, and just that's where we started talking, and I built a relationship with them from there. Um, but System Shock One, the precursor to that, is, you know, one of the most deeply influential sci-fi games. And in addition to being the precursor to one of the greatest games of all time, just did a lot of really interesting, innovative things. The challenge with one, even in you know kind of the enhanced edition that Night Dive put out, uh, it's still it's pretty obtuse by modern standards. Like it's a challenge. It's like it's challenging, not always in the best way possible. The classic and the original. So they set about remaking the entire thing, and it's a remake of the first. And I think what they did a really great job of is like maintaining the ethos of it and not doing away not making it always incredibly like maintaining some of that difficulty and challenge and uh we you know we've kind of taken to calling it shock like which is just defining it as like all right this is gonna this is gonna be uh you're not just gonna be escorted from like shooting gallery to shooting gallery like that's not what this is like you're gonna have to go through there you're gonna get confused you're gonna get frustrated but you're gonna feel a sense of accomplishment it's not really explaining like you jump into hyperspace the first time you're like what is this like what am i doing it's not holding your hand you're really in the deep end so kind of a a souls like version of an fps and uh because that's what the original one was and it's <laughs> true to that but did, it now does it in a way that is like graphically beautiful and um and in in some ways makes it a much more enjoyable and and uh entertaining experience and is uh, is Ken Levine involved at all or no? Uh, you know, I would want the shock team to speak to that a little bit more. Okay. I okay. know, I know they do speak to Ken sometimes, but I'm not sure how deep okay. involved he was in the project. Okay, I only ask because you know any gamer I, out there knows the importance. Yeah. yeah, it's a legend, right? Yeah. I mean, Mike, <laughs> uh, I know you know the game Bioshock, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got, a, he's got a new project coming out here pretty soon too, I think, right? He does, yeah. Very similar to Bioshock as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of those, you know, Nolan Bushnell type, mm -hmm. type characters that could, that's just like his influence over the industry is enormous. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, uh, for those that don't know System 
system shock. What? Why was this considered the greatest game? Just for Are those you who about don't the know, second or the first, Mike. The one that was considered the greatest game of all time. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> what about this game was what made it the, the greatest game of all time? Uh, so the second, you I think. So the first is like deeply innovative and introduced Shodan. The second, I think, is widely, you know, is is always you see in a lot of top top uh, games lists. Um, you know, I think I think there was uh, what do they call it emergent narratives. I believe is that where so there's player oh, yeah. choice. You get to make decisions. A lot of it's non. You know, there's parts of it that are non-linear as well. Um, you know, for the time, the, the shooting felt really well, and then just the storytelling. It was genuinely creepy. Uh, you know, the the experience with Shodan is is weird and and kind of drawn out, and and uh, you know, you. I think there's like a. I don't without giving away too much. There's also like a really great, um, like kind of mystery. I, there, there's there's some great surprises in the game that yes, I think there is. Are, that really hang with people after it's done and and uh, yeah and it, it, I we oftentimes talk about Bioshock but when I play it I probably see the most like Deus Ex also comes to mind a lot and um, as a game that that I oftentimes think of and and compare it to just given given the uh, the gameplay freedom that you had in that as well. So there's a, yeah. it's like it's like the sixth sense. There's a very surprise ending to the game, right? Well, yeah, there. <laughs> some of the surprises happen before the end, uh, yeah. and and that's like a fun part about that journey as well. Um, it's just it's and then like the a lot the inventory management system. It's kind of strange now that I'm like having to break it into parts. I'm like, what are the individual parts? And it's sort of it's a game that feels like more than the sum of its parts. It's mm. something great. You know, when I played it, it made me think of Alien. Is that yeah. fair? Like a fair feeling, I would say. Yeah, well, it's creepy, but like also the graphics in it. I don't. It's been a while since I played, but I don't remember them being that dark either. They're like pretty colorful and vibrant yeah. parts. And yeah. so it's it's also like not murky or muddy. It's it's really a pretty visually beautiful game. Um, a few jumping parts that I remember kind of annoying me that I could do without, but uh, <laughs> you know, other than that, like it's it's one of those you just play and you enjoy the whole way through, and, and there's really no like, it's just like also as I remember it having like a really great sense of propulsion, like you're never having to force yourself to yeah play through it. You're just kind of like you know playing it, and and there's no there's there's no real grind for me on it. Um, I love it. Yeah. That's my own personal experience with it, and and yeah, the the narrative, yeah, the emergent narrative, and some of the nonlinear aspects and the inventory management. I think there's also don't you have an upgrade tree as well? Isn't it a little bit? Isn't there a light RPG? Isn't the RPG light yeah. as well? I, if I remember correctly, there was too, like a very mm -hmm. light RPG like base uh -huh. system. Yeah, which is yeah, that kind of reminds me of Deus Ex a little, and yeah, yeah, and that's that was yeah. rare stuff back then. Mike, what we'll do, Mike, is you and I will we'll get a copy of it and then we'll play it together, and then we'll remember that one time we played Night Trap. It'd be like that. Okay. <laughs> Mike, yes. have you have you not played? I thought you were asking for the application of the audience. Oh, okay, that was a change. Yes, for the audience. Yes. <laughs> Mike set me up here. He's like he's putting me on the spot. No, he's asking. Okay, genuinely. Yeah, yeah, that, that might. Fun. It it lives. It has aged well too for a game that's nearly twenty five years old. A lot of those FPSs can go either way. Like. That one, um, if you made me pick between that and Deus Ex, I'd probably pick Deus Ex, but uh, they both <laughs> they both are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. Like, Deus Ex was like, first time I played that, I was like, whoa, this is like, this is what a first, this is what an FPS can be. This is amazing, you know? And and now again, I, I actually played that first and then went back and played System Shock 2 later. But um, I think they're both, they're both pretty awesome games like that. Yeah. I mean, I I uh, I had my fair share of gaming when I was younger, um, and so I missed that one. And so yeah, that's that's often how I get people to answer questions. Is it's not for me; it's for the audience. But yeah, you did great. You did great, Wade. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, it, you know, and I wasn't as much of a PC gamer as I was a console gamer. So for me to play a PC game, it was also a really big commitment. I had to be like, seek it out, be willing to do it, to like sit down and. The uncomfortable 
PC chair rather than like, you know, my couch and and uh, and get into it. And so any game that can like hook me like that, that's something to be said for that. What about a beanbag? Did you ever play your video games in a <laughs> beanbag? I never, I did. No, not true. I did have a beanbag when I was okay. at one point in time. I think my Dreamcast, <laughs> I think I played the Dreamcast a lot with beanbags. Yeah, bring back the beanbags. <laughs> there should Maybe be an Atari a, beanbag. I was gonna say, there should be an Atari. <laughs> I'm sure they're Sorry. out there. I'm sure someone's made it at some point in time, and, uh, and now we just need to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, we just we just need a Wade uh, approved one. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> how does that wait? Real quick, how does that go if someone has an idea that they want to pitch? Uh, you know, to Atari, like for a game or for like some merchandise. Like, what's yeah. well, how do people go about doing that? Well, I mean, you know, I think that's one of the advantages of. Atari is like we're pretty nimble and pretty flexible. Um, you know, there have been plenty of game ideas that have been pitched to us that we've said yes to. You know, that that have come to us and um, that uh, that we decided. I think the recharge series maybe even started that way at one point in time. Um, uh, I, you know, that might not there. I wasn't here when when we first started that with Missile Command, but that I think there there are a lot of games that get pitched and then. You know, we evaluate pretty much all of them that come through. Uh, in terms of licensing, you know, the biggest thing is like, can the company deliver on it? And is it so? First, does the product make sense? Is it something that the that people would want? If it's, the answer is yes. And we're not currently doing it. The next question becomes, do we think the company can deliver on it? And if the answer is yes, then I mean, we're pretty much we're happy to move forward. Like it's, we love taking flyers on things, and some of our best. Uh, licensees were were ones where they were like a, one that comes to mind is new wave toys they do these little uh actually i've got one right behind me here got a tempest behind me i've got a food fight at home but um yeah. uh, oh, yeah. uh you know there are these arcade perfectly perfect replicas great great company great team over there and they pitched us the idea and we looked at it and said like yeah like you guys seem to you know what you're doing like let's give it a shot and they've it's turned into a uh hugely successful successful partnership they're great and we do a lot of stuff with them now mm, i like so, that idea yeah if, sure. if, you, if you ever are interested in making some super cool hats i know somebody <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if we need atari hats that uh have a pocket a hidden pocket behind the patch like you see on oh, the yeah. out there uh, I do have a business that makes such hats. So oh, wow, okay. All right. Maybe a pitch, maybe a hat pitch will be coming your way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. We'll say, uh, to the attention of Wade, and then I'll push <laughs> right through. Okay. Yeah, actually, actually, that. this whole call, this whole call is just to Shanghai you and uh, <laughs> you did a good job. You, lured, you really lured me into a state of uh... vulnerability. Yeah, <laughs> very relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Ready to say yes to any project. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, but before we wrap up, uh, Wade, uh, I just and I want to make sure that I didn't miss it. The System Shock 2 remake that is out already. Oh, or System is Shock not out? remake. Sorry. Oh, sorry. 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 Yes. No. 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 no problem. Okay. I was referring uh, to System Shock 2 previously, yes. and why that's a great game. But no, the the new game that just came out um, in May is the System yes. Shock remake. It's remake. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's officially out, and then our audience can go out and buy that now. Correct. Correct. On Steam, yeah. and then console uh, coming out later this year. So uh, PC awesome. at the moment, and console coming shortly. And then okay. Pixel Ripped was the other one we mentioned, yep. which can't you know definitely want to give a plug to that and and uh, encourage people if they want to dive in and play a fun, funny meta Atari experience. That's a great one. Absolutely. Yeah. And one more thing to talk about is that it's fifty years, correct? Fifty-one, technically, right 51 now. Years. Last okay. year was fifty for us. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. I know. So we'll have to do like. Pong 51 or something. Pong 51. I love that. Or or you guys can get a 51 anniversary hat done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we go. A new one every a, year. Every year. I mean, 51's a nice... Fifty one's a nice solid number to do it an anniversary. Yes. 
Uh, all right. Well, before we wrap up, uh, Wade, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Uh, seriously, it's been a dream come true to have you on. It's yeah, not like, like it, I would love to have you back. I mean, yeah, talk <laughs> anything about any other future things you're doing. We love to have you on. Uh, cool. Mike, do you have any last words before we wrap up? Of course. I always have something fun to say. Wait, what about the ET game? That's the, the, the one that got buried infamous. in the desert, right? The infamous. Yeah. 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 What's that? Did you ever try to play that game? When you uh, were... I have tried. I have yeah. tried. I've watched more videos than tried because it, you know, it's it is a pretty frustrating game. I I don't think it's even nearly the worst Atari game, twenty six hundred game. I mean, there is some there is some real stuff on the. I mean that. The console had no lockout mechanism, so by the end, like, there's a lot of stuff on there. But uh, what I'll say is, like, we've, you know, we'd love to right those wrongs someday. I think, you know, it's more parties than just us that would have to be involved in something like that and would have to say yes to a project like that. But I, I do think it's a part of the history, and I think whenever you can go back and own those, you know, make those parts of your history your own and and incorporate them in i i love to do that and and i who knows maybe, maybe it'll happen someday i uh oh. i think i let's put it this way the a recharge version of of et is so much is infinitely more likely than any of the other uh risque games we talked about earlier <laughs> <on>. <laughs> but, I, I hear what you're happen. saying but there is a universe in which <laughs> So you're saying there's a chance. There, you're saying saying there's, there's a, a chance. chance. You know, there's there's always a chance of that. There's no no plans at the moment, but it's it's definitely something. If uh, you know the stars aligned on that, I I know we would we would want to do it. So hey, maybe the stars align in the game. It's a VR game. You follow the stars in a line in the desert where you dig up the ET game. You play it, and that's then you the go. That's the meta game. That's yeah, the VR version of the game that we're gonna make. That's, that's the right. uh, the meta. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, find those those buried cartridges. I believe. I think there was a lot of different ones out in the desert too. More yeah. than just ET, right? Like it was all sorts of. Yeah. Kind of a. 83, 84 were rough years. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, you know, indeed. And in, in final closing on that, I just, I think there's something that people don't oftentimes, you know, the, the 2600 came out in 77. It was through its console life cycle. And like, what, what I think is oftentimes forgotten is uh, like, it's normal. Like if, if you're the first to do anything, all of these things, all these things seem very strange and weird and like, you know, like anomalies. But now we know seven years is about it you know like yeah. maybe you get an eighth year while you're kind of introducing your new hardware and you know you get like a kind of a yeah like a carryover year but seven years is about about the time on a on a console if you look at the you know ps4 to ps5 or you know the xboxes and or even the switch right like when that's come when that released and when the next one's going to release you know seven max eight years that's that's the longest time periods you can get on on a console life cycle and and um i think the problem is people just didn't know that back then they didn't really know like oh we needed to introduce something new and and they tried with the 5200 but it wasn't you know it wasn't really what the market was looking for and it was really just an atari 8-bit but um yeah mm -hmm. i i think about that frequently on like if i'm sure if atari knew now knew then what it knows now it would have you know it would have had that 7800 out 8283 and and um or something like that and, and replaced itself it's the oh. it's this it's the seven year itch seven for, yeah it's a seven year console yeah seven year cannibalize yourself that's yeah. the you gotta cannibalize <laughs> yourself yeah. well uh, i do have one last word to say uh the tender was great but atari is forever mm. so <laughs> wow, that's great. Atari one hundred. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so you can have that for free, just so you know. That's, that's a great. You should, that's, that's your new tagline yeah. on all your merch. I immediately <laughs> get a cease and desist from Nintendo. <laughs> 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 I mean. 
you know, I, I, how about this? Uh, you know, the 16 bit is great, but Atari is forever. The thing is, everything is okay. Atari is forever. Everything is okay. Atari is forever. That's yes, right. yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, you all. Uh, th thank you guys so much. Uh, guys. Take care. Uh, Wade, yeah. seriously, absolute pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Monday, and, uh, all right. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, Mike, the interview is done. How do you feel about it? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I thought it, I, it was great. You know, it, uh, Wade's super personable, and we got to cover a lot of ground. Um, and I learned a lot about games, as I always do when we have a show about games. <laughs> but it's, it's, isn't it interesting? I, I just think you appreciate people's passion, right? And yeah. when you see their passion, it's such a beautiful thing. And that is somebody very passionate about gaming and continue the legacy of that is Atari. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, and what a cool job to have. I mean, I just, I couldn't, I can't imagine. I mean, probably stressful too. Yeah, yeah. But he still times fine, finds time to play games. Yeah, and you don't find any time. <laughs> I don't have time. I don't, he's a CEO. I don't even have time for this. I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about Seriously. right. <laughs> I just seems like he has to go. So, <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, thank you for coming back. Uh, we got some big things coming. Um, great stuff is, is on the way. Uh, we can announce that we are going to be at Comic-Con. Uh, right? Yes. Yeah. Let's announce it. Let's make yeah. the announcement. We'll, we'll have be at start out in a couple weeks. Wait, which one? The Comic Con episode. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, San Diego Comic Con, we'll be there. Uh, so come check us out. Mike has a booth. Does he know his booth number yet? He yeah. does. Uh, I can find out. He'll find <laughs> out, and I'm and I'm gonna answer it right here post production. Uh, his booth is booth sixteen nineteen. Uh, listed under Mike Hampton. I'll have uh, we'll be set up doing our Uncle Dad stuff. I'll have a bunch of hats and. Uh, my brother, uh, Brandon Bracamonte, a.k.a. the Bracamaster, will be there with some art as well. Oh, man, that's going to be a fun time, man. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe we could do a – I think it's time for another 80s Eats. I mean, you know, tis the season. <laughs> tis the season indeed. Now, again, everybody, uh, remember, uh, you know, we're happy to do this. But just keep in mind, guys, follow us on Instagram to get more. Uh, follow us at Uncle Dad Talks at Mike, Mike Hampton Art, and we would love to show you the content we got on there. Got some great stuff going on, and uh, yeah, uh, remember uh, you can find all the story, all the information on this story uh, at our on our Spotify page, Apple Podcast page, and of course our website UncleDadTalks.com. Uh, without any other things to say or announcements, I think we're good. Uh, <laughs> remember, everybody. We're not uncles, we're not dads, we're just someone you can talk to. We'll see you all next week. 